You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 314 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name is Valerie Koo and I'm here with the very clever Gina Militia. How are you Gina? Oh great Val, how are you going? Very excited to t- uh, about this week's uh, episode, the best backgrounds for portraits. But uh, yes. before we start, yeah, what have you been doing Val? What's going on? What have I been doing? I have decided that I need to get out of the house more because um, I got into a bit of a habit during lockdown, which is really ages ago for now for for where I live in Sydney, um, that I kind of got into the habit of staying at home Mm. and I've decided I need to get out more. But apart from that, I just launched my lifestyle range of products. And it looks so, so good, Val. It's thank like you. Um, so ValerieKoo.com. And like when you <laughs> posted on Facebook, I think last week, I was just like so blown away by how beautiful. Like, so you've got um, uh, cups, coffee cups, and I think yes. there's aprons, luggage, yes. bedspreads. And like this all started, like, I can still remember the day that you just blew me away with that conversation about. Uh, that you'd started doing um, art, you'd started doing macrame, and it like it felt like <laughs> it came out of nowhere. But like you know, it's so amazing. Like how how many years? It's like a, a, maybe a few years, three that three. you've gone from like well, three oh, yeah. since macrame. <laughs> oh yeah, I might do some art <laughs> to like completely launching this site, and and now you've um, you've licensed your images. Uh, and uh, you've got this whole complete range. So, like, I'm so proud of you. It's amazing. That, that's that's when you put your mind to something and just get on with it. And I know how hard you work, but like, look at the result. It's amazing. Amazing. Thank you. That's very very kind of you. And I think that thing is that um, I've learned a lot about uh, mm. the fact that you can actually create art and license your art, which of course you can do with your photography as well. So that's something for some photographers. Some photographers aren't interested in doing that, of course, but that's something for some photographers to consider as well because once you take your shot, you can potentially license it um, so that it can appear on other things. I think I'd love a, a, a tutorial on that. Do you think you can do something like some information for that for the, for the Goldies mm, uh, yes, on, on licensing? That'd, yes. that'd be unreal. Yes, I'm not sure if I know enough yet because – uh, but I will at yeah, some point. Yeah, of course. Um, and so I'll, uh, you know, I'm not far off. Um, and then, yeah, I will for sure. And it's like you're very smart about the way that you approach everything you do in life and it's like you fast track. So like um, starting three years ago, you seek out mentors, you really do, and you don't go to like, you know, the – hacky ones you go to the good ones and like you go well how did you get from a to b and you find these things out and that that gets you like all that information that you would could stumble around and 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 find slowly or learn for yourself you, that's how you fast track to the, the the business to get it to this point where you're licensing your stuff so you know very clever well done well done thank you that's very kind of you what have you been up to uh, so I've been like, so I've been <laughs> geeking out over light and this sounds like okay. so daggy to use. Uh, have we used daggy as an Australian slang word? I don't know actually, but uh, it's a un- good word. So da- daggy is an Australian um, slang word for uncool. It's uncool to do mm. something, you know, and, and so this is like I've been geeking out about light because at this time of the year, the light actually um, – the angle of the sun is quite low so it makes for some really interesting shadows that are formed early in the morning 
and late in the evening. So as the sun filters through uh, the trees or through, um, you know, like I've got a lot of bamboo around in my garden, so it filters through that or through blinds and it makes these beautiful patterns on the wall. And what I've been doing is um, taking shots and using those um, uh, as uh, an overlay onto other shots. So I've been working oh. with that. And yeah, yeah, and it's it's fantastic because you can take, uh, and I'll talk about it in, in this uh, week's episode, but you can, you know, when you get a shot and it's, say it's an overcast day and particularly you'll be noticing this stuff with your lifestyle um product shoots which uh hopefully i'll be doing some stuff for you at some point but um where if you've got a room and it's lit and it's the light is very flat it's just like you know flat even lighting it kind of looks okay but then how much does the image you know bring is it brought to life when you've got like uh slats of sun just Mm. on the wall or just a little splash of light but you know and even where you've got like the the sense of of that there might be light coming through a tree that's outside so i've been experimenting with that and i've actually uh been working on a tutorial i should have it out to the goldies in the next couple of weeks where i'm showing you how to do this and you can either do it on the day of the shoot or you can do it artificially and post it you know because you know um Mother Nature doesn't always play fair, uh, mm-hmm. and so you can actually manufacture the light and give. It just adds so much depth and richness. So, in order to do that, you have to study what happens naturally. So I've just been yeah. staring at light on the walls. <laughs> you know, that's cool. how much of a daggy geek I am. Use that in a <laughs> sentence, guys. Thank you for all the comments about y'all and y'all and all y'all, which is an uh, you know the 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 a larger group of you all, all your all. Oh, all y'all. All y'all, all y'all. It's fantastic. My new favourite phrase. I'm going to just throw it into conversation everywhere. <laughs> um, well, when Gina was referring to the Goldies, she is, of course, referring to our wonderful Gold community who uh, have joined our, our membership program and are learning one-on-one, well, learning through Gina's tutorials and also um, getting one-on-one critiques um, and some fantastic Ask Me Anything sessions as well. And we have some great comments from people. Danny mentioned on Facebook, um, I just finished watching this tutorial, uh, love each love these each month I learned so much from Gina you teach so well I would never have gotten to know my camera and gear as well as I have without your help thank you from the bottom of my heart and Anna continues the um the love so thank you Danny and thank you Anna uh, Anna said Gina I did a shoot today and used some of the tips I learned in your tutorials I saw the difference in the quality of the shoot immediately amazing as a self-taught photographer getting these pearls of wisdom from your experience is invaluable i'm excited about photography again and can't wait for my next shoot and it's look thank you danny and anna but it's been so great to see people get so much out of the gold community and if you're interested in finding out a little bit more about the gold community have a listen to this this podcast is brought to you by the gold community One of the things I love is mentoring the incredible photographers who are in my gold community. I recently asked Brian Becknell on how much the gold community has had an impact on his photography. Joining the community itself um, and and having access to you and to all the members um, and the tutorials are absolutely incredible. The way that you teach, the way that you, you mentor is just absolutely empowering. Your tutorials are the the bravery and the courage that I I needed to begin that journey. You make it possible. Um, It's not all gear techno speak. It's it's down to earth. It's it's just a a way that I can understand and I can pause the tutorial and practice. I can pause and practice and keep moving. The the support, oh my God, the support of everybody in the group um, has been just incredible. Um, like no other community, no other photography group or anything that I've ever been a part of. I want constructive criticism is redundant in that group. It's always constructive. It's it's always people who care about what they're saying and they care about the person they're saying it to. Oh my God, I've told so many friends about our community. It's, just, it's been life-changing for, for me and my photography journey. 
If you'd like to find out more about the Gold Community, just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on Join the Community. All right, before we plunge into this week's topic, which is what are the best backgrounds for portraits, we want to give a big shout out to Robert, who was kind enough to email us. And uh, Robert, and you can find his, um, his, his photos at Robert underscore Landreth underscore photography. He said, love your podcast and love your rambling foreplay as well. <laughs> <laughs> always laugh when Val pulls you back on a subject but really the rambling is great because it clears the mind and gets me ready to listen <laughs> I listen to you from Mallorca, Spain and am starting out pro in homes and hotels photography I live in a beautiful place surrounded by nature and always take you guys on my evening hikes. <laughs> Keep up the great work. Kisses and hugs to both of you from Mallorca. Oh, Robert, Robert thank oh, you. And it. can I say, please do go to Robert underscore Landreth Photography. I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah. Your work, Robert, is absolutely gorgeous. And it's like, you know, I should have been uh, in Spain this time. Uh, but, you know, due to all the restrictions with uh, COVID, can't be there. But I just felt like looking through your work, I had mm. a beautiful holiday. You really have a beautiful style and uh, yes. I love the way that you combine, them. you know, beautiful tight detail shots with expansive vistas and then um, beautiful interiors and exteriors. It just makes me want to go back there. It's such a, a gorgeous location. I love the light in Spain and I love the yes. architecture and these are stunning, stunning images. Thank you so much for uh, writing to us and sharing your work, Robert. Yeah, we'll put the link in the show notes. And honestly, I have just clicked through to them. I'm just finding them so inspiring. Um, Aren't I, they? I, my initial reaction is actually I want to do a collection. Yes. Um, you know, of designs based on Spain now. So these are beautiful, Robert. So well done. And um, uh, thank you so much for emailing us. And uh, we hope that you continue to enjoy the rambling for <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to this week's topic. It is what are the best backgrounds for portraits? Because sometimes we think of portraits and we think so much about the subject as in the person mm. that we are shooting. Um, and we get quite stressed out about, you know, that get, they have the right clothes and that they um, that we're going to get get them to relax and get the most out of them, that sometimes we can forget about the background. So yeah. where do we go on this one, Gina? Yeah, so like when you're choosing a background, it shouldn't be an afterthought, which is like, as you said, usually what happens is just like whatever happens to be there or this will do or like, you know, I remember when I was very young, every uh, Sunday when we were in our Sunday best, uh, mum and dad would trot the, the my brother and I out in front of the lemon tree. And we would stand there and that was traditionally the background where... Uh, we had know, a lemon tree. Did you get photographed beside the lemon tree? Because that was their point yeah. of pride in the backyard. So we were always mm -hmm. photographed in front of the lemon tree. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, and, and that was like the, 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 the background of choice back then. So it shouldn't be um, something that just... Uh, is is an afterthought. It should be something that you plan because it makes a big difference. The right background uh, in a portrait shoot can actually make or break your image. And uh, you know, if you're, it, it, there is an importance of the space that you uh, set your model in, uh, the ability to give the viewer a place to rest their eyes. It's really important, and um, you want to also make your model the hero of the shot. And also mm. you've got an opportunity with a background to help tell the story of the model if you're doing something like, you know, um, something for more like a magazine where you want to tell the story or documentary photography, then the, the right background uh, sets the stage. And, you know, you can either uh, elevate your portrait to look high-end and expensive with the right background choice or if you choose the wrong 
background, you can actually make your portrait look, uh, you know, low end and uh, or, or even tacky. So um, I want to cover in this episode all my favorite background choices uh, for portrait photography and more importantly, why I choose them and then how to achieve them. So shall we dive in, Val? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So you've got a, a you know, Basically, you've got the choice. You can create a detailed background or uh, a simple, clean background. So, uh, mm-hmm. and if you guys want to follow along, I've got photography examples of the the, the backgrounds that I'm talking about in the show notes, and you can find them at, uh, at genamilitia.com and just click on uh, photo episode three fourteen. You can find those show notes. So you've got a minimal background and. Um, where I'm working with, say, large groups where there's a lot going on, I don't want to add more clutter to the shot. So I might choose a simple background where there's a bit of texture or uh, I might go for just like a, a completely uh, plain background that isolates my subject. Again, both work uh, and, and, and like you're either complementing the subject or y- using like textures and just a little bit of something in the background to add some depth and life to the shot. Or if you've got enough going on with the actual models themselves, you can um, have a, a, a simpler background. So... One thing you've got to uh, think about is like when when the background you've got is too cluttered, the, the experience can be overwhelming. And sort of the best example I can think about this, Val, is like have you ever been to those um, stores where like, you know, you, you're shopping for clothes and there's those stores where everything is piled into like tables and bargain bins but nothing is organised? And the, sh- yeah, and the, yeah, and the yeah. shop is really crowded because they want to cram more stock in there. But you've got to actually dig through the stock. And usually uh, accompanied by the, the clutter and all the all the stuff that's in there, there's always <laughs> loud music, <laughs> look, doof, doof music, which okay. that combination, those two things, I run screaming out of that shop. Like, you okay. know, and so it's, for, it's I hate that experience uh, and it, because it's overwhelming. I don't know where to look. And when I'm faced with um, too many decisions, I can't make a decision and I just leave. And, and so I've, and, and the same can happen with a photo. So like we're all trying to get our images seen via our websites or social media. And what you want is you want to have to give the viewer an experience. And if if when the viewer looks at that image and they're overwhelmed and they don't know where to look, they'll, they'll just click to the next one because it's too much. But mm. if you think about how you're using your background and you give them uh, a beautiful space to look at and there's no doubt that who is the hero of the shot and they've got a beautiful face to look at and then they'll look at the background and they'll move around the image. They're going to spend longer on the image. The longer someone looks at the image, the more chances they're going to um, have a reaction to that image, a positive reaction, and then engage with that image. See how it works? So. Yeah. Um, I don't know how those stores where they have the <laughs> music going on and all the clutter, how do they make money? But I guess it works. Like there's a certain generation. So um, when you're uh, trying to tell a story with your images, uh, you can use the background. And this is what I do with a lot of my uh, personal projects and, uh, and also editorial shoots. I use the background to help uh, tell the viewers something about my subject. So um, you can use, I I kind of use, look for backgrounds. It's like a a stage set. So it's not, you don't necessarily have to, um, the thing with uh, beginner photographers is they think, all right, we need to do a portrait shoot. Then the obvious choice is let's go to a park. And it goes back to that same thinking that my, mum and dad used let's put them in front of the lemon tree so you know the park has become the modern day version of placing everyone around the lemon tree so you don't necessarily have to look for you know beautiful blue skies and uh to take the the, take the shot at the beach on sunset at sunset there's all these other fantastic options so so let's um let's break it down now and uh, go through all the different options you have 
and and how they can uh, elevate your portrait to, to something, um, you know, next level, Val. Cool. Okay. All right. So first off, and this is something I guess that every portrait photographer wants to nail uh, because it's it's everywhere, but it's not it's not the only way that you should be photographing your portraits. So if you have no choice uh, as to what the background is and you've come across like you've got a great subject, you've got beautiful light, but the background is kaka. And by kaka background, I mean it's just there's a lot going on and it's not particularly glamorous. Now, I've got an example of this uh, as how a messy background can just, just draw the focus from your subject. So I've got um, – and this is from my um, – get off auto course Val this is a a still from Mm -hmm. that and it's basically um I've got a model in front of the worst background I could possibly find and it's like you've got uh cars with their headlights on in the background you've got uh trees that are like not lit so they're black blobs we've got a pretty uh unattractive uh building we've got power lines and we've got Probably the ugliest thing of all is those orange. What are those uh, poles that they, the construction workers use? They're like fluoro orange in the background there. To, okay. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and and so when you look at, at that that snapshot that I've taken. First of all, my eye is automatically drawn to the brightest part of the frame, which are the lights in the background, not my model. My model is like something that I look at last. And when I look at this image, it's just a hot mess. I don't know where to look. I don't, you know, no, nothing stands out in this image. So this is an example where using um, bokeh, or blurring the background Mm. makes a huge difference. And I can see that there is another example, same location, but suddenly I'm using a very shallow depth of field. And uh, I've got uh, like, I think I'm shooting at uh, 1.4 or 1.6 for this image. And suddenly I've focused on the model. There is no question who is the hero in this frame, Val. Yep. So it uh, makes a big difference. So bokeh, like if you want to create this type of bokeh, you want, what you need is a, a wide aperture. There is an entire show on, on this. I think it's called Bok Bok Bokeh. <laughs> I crack myself up <laughs> how to create blurry images. So, so look it up and that goes into yeah. great detail. But basically what you need, the important things that you need to create uh, a beautiful blurry background where you get rid of all that distraction is you need a, uh, a wide aperture. So wide open, so mm. something like f2.8 uh, is a great start. And you need uh, it, a longer focal length. So if you've got something over 100 millimeters as a lens, then use that. And then here's, here's the, the trick. You want to make sure that you're very close to your subject. So you're focusing in tight on the model and you want to make sure that the background where all the confusion and and clutter is, is very far from your model. So the further away your background is and the closer you are to your model, the better the quality of the bokeh is going to be or the more you're going to be able to throw your background out of focus. Mm -hmm. All right. So... um, what so you basically need. what you're saying is that there are no excuses if you have a shit background because if you've got that um, like a long lens and you can shoot at a low aperture, <clears throat> you can blur out the background. Exactly. So um, and, and there, there are a couple of things that, that really help the quality of that background. So what you want to look for is if you've got like a dark, heavy or um, – busy background where the colors and where there's lots of sharp edges like let's say that you are shooting in the forest in winter and all the um trees have lost their leaves and so you know when you look at um let's say you're in a, an orchard val and you've got all the fruit trees have lost their leaves so they're just like uh sticks basically mm-hmm. 
and it's yeah. like sharp edges, hard edges. If you try to throw that sort of background out of focus, what you're going to get is a very jarred look to the bokeh. It's not very pleasing. So what you want to have is um, where you've got an area of uniform colours. So something like a, uh, a, a bank of trees where they all have their leaves and it's like a nice, um, nice even tones of greens and yellows. When you throw that out of focus, you get this really creamy, dreamy background so what and and the the other thing is things that are brightly lit will give you those beautiful bright little halos of light um and like i use things like um uh, strip shopping malls where they've got neon signs all along the uh, the roof of the, oh, yeah. uh, the, the, the mall, uh, uh, things like that. They boker up really nicely and uh, neon signs and uniform colours. So if you're ever in doubt uh, and, and you're just starting out and you're not quite sure what's going to be a good bokeh background, what I suggest you do is just um, travel around and if you're embarrassed to bring your um, styrofoam head, with you uh and you don't have a a, like an obliging friend that's going to come in and stand in for the shots just bring something like a a single light stand that you can Mm -hmm. set up in the position where this is where my model's going to be here's a good location let me see how this looks with bokeh and then just open your aperture right up to as wide open as it will go and then experiment with like if i come in closer what if i move out and have a look at what all the different backgrounds do and you'll start to get a feel of where the great locations are in your in your area and where the best places are once you find a good place then it's good to get the warm prop or the real live person in uh, to photograph them and and, uh, create these beautiful backgrounds. So this is a great one. However, it doesn't need to be the only way that you shoot portraits because it it, it can get a bit uh, boring if you only shoot bokeh. So um, the other option is, and the way that I love to shoot my portraits is to do a, a detailed background. So what I look for when I'm found an interesting subject. So it's always the subject first. I'm not looking at the background first, it's subject first. Uh, I use the background as a stage. So, uh, and, and the idea is so that it doesn't overwhelm the portrait, it complements the portrait. And within that background, I like to have um, little visual cues that help uh, tell a story. So uh, I've got uh, a few examples uh, in the show notes. So the first one, Mm -hmm. I've got my uh, shepherd boy, which was taken on um, uh, one of my Sicilian uh, workshops. And uh, basically uh, the visual cues uh, in this shot that is a Sicilian shepherd boy uh, is the fact that there's a little Sicilian (laughs) village next to him. I've got a horse uh, behind him that he rides but basically the rest of it is all about the um the background is like there's well, no, not the big, a lot the going biggest on visual cue is that oh, he's the, holding a sheep i got him to put a sheep up <laughs> over his shoulders yeah so they're the, the 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 visual cues but the background is like there if i pulled him out of the shot there isn't you know I wouldn't be looking at that shot going wow what a shot but it's just Mm. a little something in the background that supports the storytelling does that make sense yeah um the next shot I've got is uh where I've used uh light and uh not necessarily gone for a dark and heavy mood to the shot because I wanted to create a light and airy uh shot so this was taken in Paris and it's uh, from an elevated location where you can see uh, the city of Paris in the distance and it's early in the morning so the sun's coming up my model is backlit but I've chosen I could have what I could have done is brought in fill flash into this one Val and underexposed the background so that I got all the detail in the sky and all the detail in the buildings but had I have done that in this instance with this sort of light and floaty look it would have been a bit too overpowering for the shot and taken away from the hero of my shot which is my little girl that's girl that's walking along um the 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 edge of the scene there so i've chosen so you can also choose uh the way that you light and your backgrounds to complement your foreground so there is a sense of you know the visual cues the the parisian bike to the side and then obviously the um 
the rooftops of Paris are very recognisable, but they're also sort of half out of focus and they're also blown out, but it helps to uh, tell the story. All right, so, and uh, next I've got also a um, an image of Sorry a... about that. There was some weird thing happening with my what? microphone. Oh, because I lost you. I thought you'd gone away and I'm like, oh, I'm going to just have to do this show solo and then there's no one to <laughs> keep me internet, on track. I think like, the internet kind of like bo- stuffed up my microphone. I knew you couldn't um, All right. hear me. Anyway, so, oh, I'm back. So, so, great to have you back, Val. Uh, and finally, just using the setting the, the, the stage with your models, you don't always have to look for the um, obvious location. So I've got a shot that I did for a, um, a, a TV show about recruiting footballers and mm-hmm. I was explaining In to, fact, it was called The Recruit. The Recruit, there you go. Uh, and I was explaining to the publicist that what I want to do is create a locker room shot. And so the publicists, like the, the, often the way they think is they, 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 they think, all right, we need to get a locker room. And so, of course, we were shooting uh, this at the MCG, which is the um, biggest stadium in Melbourne, if not Australia. I think it's the biggest stadium in Australia. All the Olympic mm. Games were had there and all the uh, top elite uh, pro sports are held there, cricket, football, all of that, right? Yeah. And so the publicists are like all right, well, we need to get access to the locker rooms. And so they're trying to get make requests to like, can we get the, oh, well, there's a big game on when you happen to be doing the shoot or this club won't let you into the soccer room, into the locker room. And I'm like, we don't need a locker room. We just need lockers and I'll shoot it. I can shoot it anywhere. So what we did for this particular shot is I got, um, I made a bench out of uh, strips of uh, timber that we laid across, I think on maybe uh, milk crates. And then I got um, like a block of four lockers and put it Mm. in the background. And then I I actually shot everyone individually. So you can actually shot every person individually individually and then stripped Mm -hmm. it all together. So you need to kind of um, think outside the box and not look Mm. at the obvious, because the other problem with the locker room is it was, um, really narrow and uh, th- there wasn't enough space for me to get back properly or even get a light in. And so mm. shooting in another space was I had space, I had depth, I could get my light in and I could build the shot. So, you know, really simple using visual cues like uh it, you know, you look at that shot and you think obviously it's shot in, in a large locker room, right? Yeah. And it's not. It's just so, three lockers that are put together with some, some wood to look like the benches. So when you have a look at this shot, there's three footballers who are sitting on the bench in various poses and behind them are lockers. Now, Gina, are you telling me that because there's it's a wide shot and there's yep. obviously there's three um, footballers spread out, so behind them actually there's one two, like eight, nine lockers, yep. but actually were they four lockers that you've repeated? Yes, Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. in post. So that, and, that's all you need to do. And the bench is also and the bench, and the bench repeat, was just like, stretched out in post as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right. that that's the the sort of Get simplicity. Creative. Yeah. And so um, when you're styling images like this, what the mistake that a lot of people made, and I've certainly made it in the past, is they overstyle the shot. So they think, okay, locker room. We need the lockers. We need mm. the clock on the wall. We need the flooring. We need all these extra stuff. And then and then you getting back to the uh, clutter zone where there's too much information so what I love is taking inspiration from the stage and the way that uh, when they do theater productions they allow your imagination to fill in the details so like we can look at this image and we see visual cue locker visual cue Mm. bench you fill in the blanks and it's like you allow the viewer to to use their own um you know, creativity to fill in the blanks, basically. And then, it, it, you know, they become more engaged in the image because what you can imagine is also is also much better than what you can ever create, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. So next, uh, the kind of background, and this is something that I probably use in maybe 70% of the uh, commercial stuff that I do, is the white seamless background. Now, 
the white seamless background, you can get two kinds. You can get the, and basically it's a concave uh, wall. So it, it mm-hmm. is like the wall um, doesn't have any edges. So there is like yes. a curve where the wall meets the floor. So you've got no edges and uh, it, it gives a like a, a really classy look to your to your images. No edges, uh, like the, the image is just floating in white. And you can get like... Um, timber or plaster structures that are and they're called cycloramas or you can get white Mm. seamless paper that creates this and uh i love it because like from the white the way you light it you can actually change it to uh, any shade of gray or uh even black the way that you light it and we've talked about this in uh how to shoot uh black backgrounds the the problem with it is uh often when you're got people standing on roll paper and they've got dirty feet uh it's it get, the the paper gets dirty and it ends up like costing uh, a lot of money if you're doing a lot of uh, these shoots now i found a material version it's like an acrylic version of white roll paper and i was using that for a while but what i worked out is the sa- it saved me a lot of money cuz i never had to cuz what you do with white roll paper is once you've finished a shoot and everyone stepped all over it it's quite filthy and you just sort of cut it off uh, mm-hmm. or someone will st- <clears throat> step into the back of it and uh, tear it or it gets creased and so i was using the um the acrylic version but what i found is that it the the because of the texture of this acrylic version it actually absorbs the light rather than um uh, reflecting it and so you end up I ended up spending more time in post than I should have if I had have used uh, white roll paper so that's something you want to weigh up mm. if you're looking at if you're doing a lot of these shoots and you want to use uh, roll paper I kind of think that using the the white seamless was better and the best option I could find to save money on that is to get a um, a large white sheet of uh, now in Australia it's called perspex. The rest of the world call it plexiglass. A white sheet, so that's an acrylic glass. A white sheet of that, and you put that on the roll paper, and then after the people have stepped all over it, you can just come on with some, um, you know, water and a microfiber cloth or some uh, Windex or yeah. whatever the equivalent of Windex is, and just a cleaning fluid, and uh, mm. and and wipe it off, and you've got you've saved your your background, so it looks. Uh, really, really good. All right. So Great. the downside, uh, so it's fantastic because you get like this really clean commercial look, uh, which is beautiful. The downside is it can look uh, quite uh, clinical and flat uh, if you've just got this white background and white lighting. So what you want to do mm. is when you're lighting people on the white background, you need to make sure that your models really bring it because there's a lot of, not a lot of other excitement going on in the image. So you want to make sure that you've got like dynamic looking shots and that's where, you know, the way that you pose and obviously light your images is going to um, be really important. So um, mm. this is, I think, one of my favourite uh, ways to light and uh, because it's so clean. Next, Val, we've got the black background and we covered this. I'm not going to go into it, but it's a really uh, clean way, really elevates your model. Basically, you can use a black background or you can use light to manipulate the background to create a we black background. We did this background. a couple of episodes and, Yeah, so ago, a couple yeah. of episodes we did a, a deep dive like a deep 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 dive on this so i suggest if you want to create black backgrounds because they really are quite striking uh particularly for portraits that you check back if you haven't listened to that check back and uh um get into that one all right so next up val we've got uh colored backgrounds and this can be a game changer or it can be absolutely uh horrific if you (laughs) don't understand Uh, color theory so basically um oh you mean if you put the wrong color the wrong color can just completely take from uh the image so what i suggest uh and there is also an episode where i did a deep dive into color theory is that you um really embrace color theory and have an understanding about how colors work together and what i've done in the show notes is i've got an example of how 
um, colors can either complement your portrait or they can just clash horribly. So I've got um, an image of a, uh, a, a girl and she's wearing a pink top and she's fair haired uh, and her skin tone is a uh, on the on the sort of the reddish pinkish tone right now mm-hmm. I I did two backgrounds on this just to show you the difference and so what I've done yeah. is I've done a fluoro red background and well, it's vibrant red yeah vibrant red and in the in the, in the other shot I've got like uh, it's almost like a, what would you describe that blue as it's like a light blue tealy kind of background yes which light one blue. which one is easier for you to look at Val the light blue mm. so what what I've done is in the first image with the the vibrant red that's actually a color that clashes with the base color that we've got going on in that image, which is this girl's skin tone and the top yeah. that she's wearing. So red uh, is very close to, to pink on the color wheel and uh, it actually clashes with the color and it's like, you don't know why, even if you don't understand color theory, you look at this image and you go, my eyes hurt. Don't your eyes yeah. hurt when you look at it? It's <laughs> just bit, yes. too much, right? It's too hard to look at. But where you've got a, uh, a complementary color, so a color that is opposite to pink on the color wheel, uh, you can get, you get something that is far more pleasing and a lot easier to look at. So if you want to investigate this further, and if you have Photoshop, there is actually uh, an app uh, like a, a filtering Photoshop where you can bring up the color wheel and you can actually find the complementary color to the skin tone or to the mm. um, to the color theme that you've got going on in someone's outfit. And so you can actually um, choose a color that is visually more pleasing and doesn't clash and really think about it and not just make it an accident. Now, I spent a, long, a lot of time, there was an, an era like in the in the 90s where we like with you Val we used to use yes. lots of different roll papers and I had how many 50 different roll papers so many you know and then sometimes the client would just come in and then go okay the designer said we're going to use yellow as a background color and I'm like it's going to look awful on that because <laughs> it doesn't always look right if you've got um yeah. a yellow hue to your skin tone like a yellow mm. base on a yellow background it just doesn't look right and so there are very Mm. very few people that look good on a yellow um background so i ended up just getting rid of the yellow and just telling i don't have yellow we're not doing (laughs) it you know and then and then there are certain colors that actually work really well so i find that you know generally you get a, a lot better run with sort of a blue tint to the background uh but it also depends on the person's skin tone and then the best background of all if you're going to go with a color if we call this a color uh Mm. is gray so and the reason for this is that it's basically gray is a color without any saturation so if you take any color and desaturate it take all the saturation out you end up with gray and the reason that this is such a, a great color for a background is it like it automatically looks expensive. Like you look at any high-end magazine and you look at their fashion shoots, generally they're going to be like on a, on a like kind of a, a light gray light background. Gray, it's yeah. very, very classy and beautiful. Yes. And so, and the other bonus of using just a, a, a gray as a background and not bothering to, um, you know, get a, a, a colored backgrounds is you can take that gray and you can easily and quickly change it to any color that you want um, just using a hue saturation adjustment layer in photoshop and so i've been getting the um the goal community to do this with their backgrounds and basically they they shoot on gray and then they can change it to any color that they want and and so you can take into consideration the back the 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 colors that they're wearing and also the skin tone and also the mood or the vibe of the shot that you want to create so i think that that is probably a better option does it have to be going... a consistent gray throughout no because what you can do mm-hmm. is using this technique is even if you've got a graduated or a gradient in the background uh using this technique of uh you know adding a sort of a, a hue saturation adjustment layer is you can you can quickly and easily change it and you'll also uh keep the gradient 
gradient in the background as well. So it works. It oh. works really well. It's good to do. Like you could do this with your um, products, Val. Yeah, your because um, if you had like, say, you like, what's the the what's your um, Hamptons? Is that the one that you've just licensed, Hamptons? Yes, Hamptons. Weekend so what's the base color for that? Well, there's actually lots. <laughs> but you've got you've got ones where you've just sort of stuck to a color theme. You might have red, like there, there there are I know there there is ones where you've got reds and oranges, right? So let me yes. think of those images. Well, let's just say that you wanted to like create a blue theme of that. You could take that original artwork and using the hue saturation adjustment layer change the uh, hue of that that image and change it to a, a blue base. Yeah, right. Right. So, yes, um, yes. yeah, there's a, there's a lot you can do using this technique. So, but mm. basically you want to be careful with your color choice. It actually, it's, it's more important that you think. And again, it's about really thinking about what impact this background is going to have on my portrait. Is it distracting or is it supporting my model? All right, and that's basically the thinking for every background, okay? Cool. The next one that I like to use is textures. So, um, you know, just looking for simple textures, I like to look for uh, clean, like I like concrete backgrounds that have got a bit of texture or where you've got like uh, older place the houses that the, the wall has got that stucco sort of um, uh, vibe to it. That works well. So textures uh, always make a great background. And here's the other thing. If you're doing your shoot on that plain gray background and you want to lift it, you can actually add a texture. And what you can do is as you're walking around, like you should always have a camera with you. If you come across a beautiful textured wall, take a photo of it, mm. you know, and store them up and uh, like uh, and just have like your own textures because you can easily use that texture as a background uh, for your image and just elevate that work and make it you know just that little bit sexier so that's definitely worth doing just well and the, yeah definitely while you're looking around keep an eye out for textures because there was that house in Brunswick I think Brunswick is in Melbourne um, uh, that was made famous because clearly the photographer walked past I mean it's just a really not just an average suburban house. house wasn't it yeah well it, i mean it's it's it was just old and nothing yeah. at all that to give a second look at but they thought great texture and they shot beyonce in front of it yeah <laughs> and just casual you know hey <laughs> yeah and beyonce looked great of course yeah, yeah. um and uh, the house became famous and when it was eventually sold, maybe a couple of years later, that was the headline that Beyonce got shot in front of it. But it was because of the texture and patina of the wood that was outside the house that the photographer chose that house. Yeah, and I think the best, like I went to a, like we talk about this place, they should sponsor us Bunnings, hello, if you're listening, because <laughs> we give you a shout-out nearly every week. But it's like a big... Um, hardware store like a huge yeah. one so that like you know i guess the equivalent might be walmart or something like that but home those depot. home depot right those big Maybe. box stores actually have a great variety of concrete textures and they make beautiful backgrounds so what you can do is just like walk around the entire store and also go into the uh the car park and uh you'll find that the like there is uh uh, different different textures that they often um, paint the the outside with. They'll, they'll put a, like a, a, a fine stucker. There's rougher ones, uh, yes. and I, I managed to get like about seven different textures. Out. And also, you'll find that um, sometimes the concrete, as it ages, it gets a, like a, a like a staining on it. That can be really interesting as well as a texture. And they make great backgrounds for portrait shoots as well. If you want to do one actually in front of the of the building so uh yeah. you know good on your bunnings and you get the <laughs> sausage as well the uh barbecue sausage which is what oh, they're famous they don't for put the onions on it because of the big you know that there's a big controversy because you could slip on the onions oh that's right someone yeah that's <laughs> this is what the world's coming to they need to have onions but they are very exactly. delicious uh the, the cheap cheap barbecue sausages on dirty grill which is what yeah. gives it the taste when yeah. you, you don't you can't think about it too much because otherwise you, you no. make yourself sick but that that is uh beautiful yeah. all right now uh we digress 
talked about this at the at the uh, start of the show. I was talking about how I've become a bit obsessed with the way light falls on um, on walls uh, in my home because basically I'm stuck here twenty four seven. So that the, the, I may as well make the most of it. And so what I want to talk about is this is just a funny sounding word, but the word is gobo. And basically, it sounds like a booker. <laughs> it does. <laughs> It sounds like something that if you cough, <laughs> it's the, or the, something that the cat would, would cough up, or the dog, like, oh, there's a big dirty gobo on the floor. <laughs> but basically, what gobo, G O B O, it means is go between object. Get a gobo. It sounds like Aussie slang, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Get, get get the gobo. Well, yeah, the go between. So basically, okay. what it is is a like a um, and they, they were made popular in the movie industry. So basically, like what they use them for is if you're filming uh, a room and uh, like if you look at a room at, at at a certain time of the day, it can either if there's no light coming in through the windows, the light on the the lighting on the room is going to be flat. But even if there is no direct sunlight coming in, if you really study the wall, and I'm looking around in my office now, there are still going going to be little areas where there's some areas that are darker and some areas that are brighter so you're going to have little spots like spots of dappled light it's never going to be pristine and so that's often the giveaway when people do composites if they build the set they build the wall in photoshop and they don't add any of this uh, beautiful light it makes the image look flat and Val I've got a couple of images in the show notes where I show the difference so um, I've got uh, someone uh, leaning back on a chair, feet up on the wall with no gobo. Okay, so can you see how the image looks? Uh, it's still a dynamic image, but it's quite flat in terms of the lighting. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah. And then underneath I've added, and I've done this in Photoshop, where I've added like Venetian blinds uh, spilling uh-huh. onto the wall. And see how it adds a little bit of depth? to the to the wall it makes doesn't it make a big difference okay and then also um i've been experimenting with so what i did was like at the time of day when i was shooting uh and because of the proximity of the model to the wall i didn't have uh enough um uh, there wasn't any light hitting the wall, didn't have that realistically, so I made it. But I've also gone back to the same spot and uh, waited for the the afternoon light to actually hit that wall. And I've actually taken actual shots of the of the wall with real light dappling on the wall, and I've actually been able to add that in post. And again, it, it just lifts the image. So that's something that you can do. So the gobos happen in nature all the time. And so the best example I've got is if you've ever got a um, uh, like a, a, a veranda or like a bamboo, like you see those, uh, you see it in um, beautiful restaurants, beachfront restaurants in particular, where they've got like bamboo screening or um, mm. natural screening that goes, runs across the top of the seating area. And at certain times of day, as the sun goes through, passes through the uh, the bamboo, you get that beautiful uh, play of light on the on the on the ground, the shadow, and the, and it just right, adds yeah. so much. Light is everything, really. So that's how it happens naturally. And so if you think about it, that bamboo screen is actually a gobo. So it's something that's between the sun, right? The light source and uh you know where where it's uh solid it blocks the sun and where it's open it allows the sun through and you get this pattern a, a set of venetian blinds on your window when you're photographing the sun coming through streaming through and reflecting on the wall is also a gobo and you can yes. take so those... to be clear the venetian blinds have not themselves have not been photoshopped into the image in post it's it's as if the venetian blinds are off camera and it's the light streaming through the venetian blinds that is on the wall so it's these beautiful shadows really or beautiful slats that you see on the wall it's very effective 
Yeah, so that they're natural gobos and you can use those uh, when you're shooting. And if you uh, happen to be in a, uh, you know, a, a windowless room, like, some, you know, some, a lot of studios don't have windows or you, you are on a day where it's like, it could be nighttime or it could be pouring with rain outside and you don't have that light, that life in the shot, you can actually create this in camera by uh, using a... Um, a very narrow beam of light. So you want to have something like a, uh, a light that can you can focus the beam of light or if you're using a speed light, what you want to do. And again, we covered uh, how to change the zoom width of your speed light in the uh, episode on everything you need to know about speed lights. Is it, That's what it's called. Anyway, a few episodes back, just check out yeah. the episode on speed light to show you, you change the zoom width of your flash. Your light source needs to be very small and very far away. And when it's a very small, very far away light source, you get a, a harder light. And then what you want to do is uh, create, like out of black card, you can actually take a sheet of black card and cut little slits in it. Now, it's a matter of trial and error, but this is something that you can entertain yourself on a lazy Sunday rainy afternoon and just experiment with a spare wall in um in your spare room or uh, like in a room that you've got some space and just uh experiment with creating gobos you can take it next level uh things like uh companies like uh, godox manufacture little gobos so they're little um cutouts that you can place in um in front of your flash uh and uh project those onto the wall and honestly they make such a difference failing that you can hang venetian blinds in front of your uh light or bamboo or slatted timber or even cut some mm. uh trees out like cut take some branches and and clamp those to a stand and put those in front of your light source and what you want to do is just create that uh beautiful scene and if you're ever unsure about how this makes a difference look at well-lit tv shows um where you see a family sitting around eating um breakfast and you'll notice on the on the walls there's like beautiful light glowing everywhere that's in a studio that's shot and that's all yep. manufactured light you know and if they were not to have those highlights there is no visual cue that this is morning light so what i like about the example that i've um shown with the gobo and no gobo is i went to this this image was shot a hundred percent with flash Val and the aim of the shot was to make I wanted it to look like daylight do you think I, I got I, I achieved that it looks like natural light in that shot yeah, it doesn't yeah. look lit yeah so that was my aim to do that so when you can um light like that and understand how to control and this is a two light shot when you can understand how to control and manufacture light you can make it look like morning light evening light you know hard sunlight whatever you can recreate it and that's what the, the those best um lighting guys do on those tv shows it's just those little visual cues that you say oh that the way the light's hitting because from memory i know it's early morning they're having breakfast or i know it's uh evening light because the shadows are softer and you know geek out like i have been and just really start looking and noticing the light so that when it comes time you can easily uh recreate it all right, yeah, yeah, so a cool. um, couple, couple more. How are we going for time? Uh, yeah, all right. So green screens, uh, I think they're overrated. I don't think you need them anymore. We used to use them for like uh, if we were doing advertising and they wanted to be able to pull the model out of the background really easily. You can do it so well. I think better than a green screen is to use a... Um, uh, a grey background, you just, it's easier to cut out, I think, than using a green screen. And the downside of the green screen is that you get a colour cast reflecting into your model. So you've got to deal with that as well. So uh, not a fan of them, and I try and avoid using them. Um, 
The other backgrounds that you can get, uh, you can get these fantastic and there's heaps of manufacturers and they're dirt cheap are these pop-up backgrounds. So like maybe uh, seven foot by three or four foot backgrounds that they just sprung steel and you can have like a textured uh, wall on one side and the other side could be a, a magical garden scene or a beach scene there are that that next step of those backgrounds that we used to use for Clio and Cosmo shoots where it was a beach scene on a backdrop so these are little portable ones and they actually look quite realistic and you can also get uh, floors as well like vinyl floors that you can roll out so that it looks like that your model is sitting on um, a timber floor or a textured floor so they're worth in investigating and they're and they're quite good and they're very portable for location shoots and you can also get pop-up um, white gray black uh, and then the cheap 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 version of that is do what uh, like uh, photographers like Avedon used to do they used to go to locations and then hang a sheet a white sheet on the wall just tape it onto the wall and put your model in front of it and suddenly you've got that you know studio look anywhere mm. just don't take the good sheets, guys, <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, because it's like I've had that happen to me where like my son just, I said, use a sheet and he took my, like my really good ones. Out to the, yeah. So, um, so, and finally, <clears throat> what you can do is uh, make your own um a pol there's upholstery there's uh, upholstery backgrounds where you go to like my favorite shop spotlight like an apost uh, uh, like a, a material store where they sell material fabric. and get upholstery fabric uh where it's got that beautiful brocade and and patterns uh, on yes. it um mm. right and it looks like wallpaper but it's actually material and so the bonus of this is it rolls up and it's really easy to store and again this can just be either you can hang it off a, a background stand or you can tape it to a wall makes a beautiful background and finally val there mm. are diy um canvas backgrounds now you can buy these uh, mottled canvas backgrounds that are really groovy i actually um there's really nice ones and there is just there is a fine line where if you're not careful and you get the cheaper versions it's something about the pattern and the coloring and i talked about this earlier the wrong background can actually make your photography look cheap so yeah I've, I've, um, I talk about this a lot with the Goldies where some of them have been using uh, the wrong mottled grey background on maybe their corporate shoots and it's like it, I, I think it makes the, uh, the image look uh, a little bit uh, less corporate and a bit too portraity and therefore lessens the image. So you want to be careful and if you're going to invest in one, then invest in a, a higher end one. It's something about the texture and the shape uh, of the, the brush strokes in the background really make a difference and also the color but the good news is you can actually make your own really cheaply like you can make your own for uh, like under a uh, hundred bucks if you're careful and you can get um, canvas uh, online uh, like seamless canvas you don't want to have any uh, seams in the background and then basically it's like painting a canvas Val what's the first thing you do um, before you paint a canvas what's the per first thing that goes on before you put the paint on the gesso the gesso and what's the purpose of uh, this? It's like an undercoat. What, what's the purpose of that? If you didn't gesso your canvas, what would happen? It's kind of like priming it because yeah. so that the paint doesn't sort of seep too much into the canvas and the paint will last longer. It's like when yes. you prime your walls of your house. Exactly. So basically uh, putting the primer down just means that you're not going to be using as much paint to get the, the, the same result. And then you can just experiment, just start with a acrylic paint and there are specialist uh, fabric paints as well. But what I suggest you do is you Google theatrical uh, backdrops and supplies and there will be companies that sell that specific paint. There was a place that I used to, I've made um, heaps of backdrops, like I've made ones, I used to make them special especially for certain shoots, so the 20 metres across, and, and I got all unseamed backgrounds, and then I used to make, like, grey ones, and it's very easy to do. You just um, you needed just a, a, a big area, like a garage or something, where you can um, put the, uh, the, the canvas down and you want to stretch it out and maybe um, just tape it to the floor, and then you can just use a roller and uh, just 
try rolling different textures and you'll get into the groove and it's quite easy to do and I used to just mix the paint like get the roller dip it into one color roll a bit of paint then that same roller dip it into another color and then just roll over the top until I got something that that looked good and then you test it out and then you, you go oh maybe there's too much white in this and it's really fun and it's so nice uh, it's something lovely to have a, a background that you actually made yourself Val yeah. so there you go that's uh a deep dive wow. into everything you need to know awesome. about backgrounds. <laughs> wow, fantastic. That's just a cracker of an episode. So many nuggets in there and so many practical tips because um, – and you can use this not just with portraits but but other things as well. Um, mm. But it's definitely useful for, for portraits. So it's probably an episode that people are going to listen to again, I would suggest, because there's so many great tips in there. If you want to have a look at some of the images that she's – Gina has um, spoken about. Of course, they are in the show notes over at GinaMilitia.com. That's (laughs) M-I-L-I-C-I-A. All right. So we're almost at the end of this week's episode. What are you doing in the coming week, Gina? Well, right now I'm going to head out for my two-hour break. So we've got still (laughs) still in lockdown here in Melbourne. Why don't you ration it so that you have an hour now and an hour later? Yeah, well, that's what I do. I might go out for an hour, but I try, like, you know, I can't be bothered, Val, going out twice. I'm becoming Uh, like you. I'm kind of worried that it's like if I come bump into someone, am I going to know what to do, like how to speak when you've got – old school when you got someone in front of me and I hope I can still recognize I know all those like visual yesterday cues. yesterday someone shook my hand and I was like oh my god someone shook my hand that is so weird <laughs> and last night I thought oh no I've got a sore throat maybe they gave me COVID <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a weird world that we're living in so yeah but I, like you know when you um ration stuff and you don't get to have it all the time you really appreciate it so I really appreciate my walks and uh mm. really appreciate you know uh, a trip to the supermarket has just like is the highlight <laughs> my week that's what it's come to so and then I'll be staring at walls and looking at light, at light a bit more what about you Val I hope you're getting out more you're going to make another trip outside outdoors I am actually this afternoon that's actually because I've got an appointment mm. um uh, but I will make myself potentially go for a little walk around the shops or or something like that um, so that I get some more human interaction. <laughs> this is impressive, Val. And it's like, you know, and you started with, remember when you started with, I'm going to do a bit of macrame, uh, we all <laughs> fell off our chairs, right? You know what? I'll be running ultramarathons. You can be doing ultramarathons. That's exactly where I was going to with that. It's like, yeah, so I'm doing the New York Marathon and uh, the Boston Marathon. And, yeah, so, yeah, and, uh, yeah, uh, the the I don't think you've got time to get match fit for the Olympics, which will be next year in Japan, 2021. But... Hey, hang on. So if it's 2021, will the next ones be 2024 or will it be 2025? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, because it doesn't give everyone enough time to um, get ready. But having said that, do you reckon you could be match ready to, to run a marathon by 2024? Gina, somehow I think that in this particular instance, I won't be throwing myself into it so much. <laughs> I'm not going to go to the shops. It's going to get, but the shops could the grow to running a marathon, Val. I, uh, I'm fully behind you. I, just, like, it I wouldn't suspect I'll get distracted me. by other things. Okay. Anyway. Where do we find you online, Gina? So, GinaMilitia.com, G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on all social media. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, then I'd love you to join me in the Gold community. You can find out more at GinaMilitia.com and click on Join the Community. And Val, where will you be running um, and where can we find more information about your uh, 2024 uh, <laughs> Olympic campaign? We'll sponsor you totally. The podcast will sponsor you. Awesome. Okay. How much so good work would we get so much out of it if we had So You Want to Be a Photographer on Your Bat, So You Want to Be a Writer, ValerieKoo.com. So good. All right, so you'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. 
Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com.